Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often they push themselves out of their comfort zones and took risks. We want to know about that decision point. Why did they make that decision? And most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abrachi Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior, and in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're so excited to have Kieran Robinson as our special guest. Kieran has dedicated her professional career to perfecting the art of service. She has served as a culinarian, concept designer, and service curator on three different continents. As a chef, Kieran launched her own catering, consultancy, and concept design business in Hong Kong. Her accomplishments include developing her own line of specialty foods and branding under her label, Tiza, projects with five star hotels and some of the leading chefs in the Asian region. Kieran pivoted from entrepreneur to professional when she relocated to San Francisco. She joined one of the country's top 10 hotels, or excuse me, top 10 hospitals, where she spent the next 16 plus years holding a variety of positions, executive chef, executive dining room manager, and operations manager. Kieran's passion for service informs her whole life, from her family, community, and profession, to her charitable work with vulnerable children in Malawi, Africa. Based in Luxembourg, Kieran devotes her time to writing, speaking, mentoring, and advising on service leadership and the true heart of hospitality, selfless service, SEVA. Kieran launched her book, SEVA, The Art of Hospitality, in November 2021. Kieran, we're always, we always like to start our podcast by asking what you do when you want to expand your thinking. Hi, ladies. How are you? We're great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on your platform. This is such an honor. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. It's an honor for us as well. I'll jump in right into your question. And if I may answer, um, you know, after 30 years of a dedicated life of seva and hospitality, mentoring and sharing what I have learned, I uh, find myself tending to gravitate towards other strong leaders in the field, especially uh, as I had to reinvent myself here in Luxembourg. I've been here for two years now. I just want to learn more about their leadership skills and experience. And honestly, it takes a bold mindset to step out of one's comfort zone to reach out to someone and ask for help, you know. And I think... The word I would use here is courage, Mm -hmm. definitely. This gives me, just by reaching out, asking for help, this gives me an opportunity to expand my knowledge to face what I may not know or what 
might be difficult or uncomfortable for me per se. I do the same with new and budding chefs to get a perspective of um, their resiliency. How how do they manage to spring back and recover? What fresh ideas and technologies they are bringing to the table, especially during challenging times. I go into the kitchens, regardless of uh, Michelin stars or otherwise, engage with them and share them. By pushing myself, I see the rewards in my inspired weekly articles, um, articles on food, travel, service, seasons, holidays, lifestyle, the whole thing. And um, I also got a domain for female fingerprints, which is an article that I publish uh, once a month, which is uh, primarily for the purpose of empowering women globally. So there you go. Karen, it's so great that you're here. I, my mind is racing with about a hundred different things I want to talk to you about, none of which are actually related to this podcast. I want to talk about your travel. I want to talk about <laughs> stuff. I want like, oh, so I will try to calm down and focus on what we want to talk about. But what, how do you, you're so curious and it sounds like the one of the themes in your life is always expanding your thinking and pushing yourself and expanding your, your brain and open to new concepts. What are some of the things that like just right now that you're so interested in that really kind of, you're like, that really has put me out, like you said, outside of your comfort zone. Maybe what's kind of the one or two things you do so many. I just thought maybe we could narrow it down to one or two. Up, oh, you're on mute. Karen? Oh, there you go. Hello? Hi. Hi. Sorry about that. I don't know um, no. how much of that you missed. But, I, did, um, I didn't hear it. Go ahead. The one top kind of one or two things that maybe are really you're curious about right now and, and really pushing, expanding your thinking. Right. I mean, that that's that's a great question. I don't, I, I had done a lot of mentoring back in the hospital mm-hmm. for the, you know, the 16 plus years that I was there. I don't want to forget those young ones. I don't want to forget the, the chefs, the cooks, you know, the, the, the sauciers, the, um, uh, the people who do the prep work and all of that. I want to continue to reach out to them and see where they are and see if I can come alongside and encourage them and, and um, see if they need help. So I've been very fortunate actually in doing that um, because Luxembourg is such a small country. I mean, it is a country actually um, on its own. It's, it's a, it's a duchy. So there's a Duke and a duchess and princess and princesses, and they have a little palace and all of those wonderful things. It's like a fairy tale land, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've been, very fortunate in um, in connecting with the restaurants and hotels here and connecting with those chefs. And they're really friendly. And I remember during COVID time, uh, I made a few chef friends and I thought um, it would be a good idea to just extend my hospitality and have them over for dinner just to encourage them and um, honor them and tell them, 
you know, put your feet up and let me cook for you. Mm. So they accepted my invitation. So I had a bunch of them, well, a bunch of them, four, that was the curfew period. And we were only allowed four uh, guests per, um, per home, you know, events, whatever. Yep. And they all came and I said, oops, what, what do I do? And I said, okay, what about Indian street food? So I made Bani Puris, and I write about this um, story in my book, Seva, the Art of Hospitality. Um, it was such a fun concept, and we were standing around uh, behind my kitchen, and I'm making these little Bani Puris. And the chefs are looking at me, and they're like, can we come around and make a few ourselves? I said, sure, have fun. And the next thing you know, we're talking about, what can we do? How can we stretch ourselves, you know, with the restaurants closed? And I suggested, what about a food truck? And somebody said, oh, I have a friend who has a food truck. I said, okay. So all of the restaurants here have their own terraces. I said, pull the food truck on the terrace. I gave them the recipe. We're doing production virtually. Mm. And they made beautiful pani puris. And the weekend that they opened this, the food truck concept, it was minus eight degrees here. It was snowing. I come from India, Hong Kong, California. I don't play with snow. I don't play with <laughs> snow. It was freezing and my nose is leaking. But I'm like, no, I got to go and support them. And there are lines all the way up the hill and all around. So you can see the community participation is immense here. So people came out in the in, in spite of the cold weather. They came out. They queued up, and they had invited uh, Michelin star chef, uh, guest chef in the truck. So there was only room for two of them. And I met the guest, the guest chef, and he asked me if he could uh, take my recipe and use it in his restaurant. I said, mm. by all means, go right ahead. He turned the pani puris into an amuse bush in his restaurant. And mm. that's that's what happened. For me, it was like, okay, inspired. And I called it the pani puri journey. That was the title of my story in the chapter. It was so fun. So that's what I'm looking to do. Keep on with the community building. Make friends. Show that we're here to save up with you. And you know, just keep them encouraged and inspired. Yes. What I love about how you expand uh -huh. your thinking is that connection with others. And mm -hmm. so just sitting down, it just starts with come over for dinner and who knows what's yeah. going to happen. And so expanding yourself, expanding, like you said, the community. Mm -hmm. And I do have, and this is a whole nother podcast, but I do have mm -hmm. chefs themselves. If you don't constantly take in new ideas and get inspired mm -hmm others, you, you can't evolve your dishes and your food. And then you're what serving the same plate that you have for the past 10 years. Um, exactly. You're constantly having to push yourself. So you're already to me, just listening to you and, and the, and what you focus on in your career, <clears throat> already mm -hmm. shows you like to expand your, your mind and evolve and keep, and keep uh, learning and growing and being curious, but what a great story. And I'm right. very cold. I am, I am from Chicago, but listen, living in California has changed me. Uh -huh. I don't do it anymore. So 
<laughs> I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 hard, you know, it's hard, but so, uh, but it's fun. It's fun um, doing seva with your community, and and I had to, I had to build a whole new community, and come up with different ideas. So we have a a coffee shop here, just you know, a couple of minutes away from where I am, and. I made it a point to get up at seven o'clock in the morning, every morning. And that's when they open. I said, I'm going to go over there, get my cappuccino, make friends. Mm -hmm. And I did. And I write about them as well in my book, you know, whole chapter on them. And they see me coming up the street and they'll go the usual. And boom, Mm -hmm. in one minute, my cappuccino, extra hot with a little less milk is ready for me delivered in my in my hands. And just I, I, that community building and uh-huh. just connecting with people. When I, when Kelly and I even look back at all these great things that have happened in our careers, it's because, like you said, you had mm-hmm. coffee, you had dinner, and you're all kind of sitting around talking about something. And went, oh my right. goodness, this would be a great idea. This is amazing. Uh-huh. So yeah. again, what did I say? This could be where we have like 20 podcasts in one here. <laughs> so I'm going to focus us. What is the decision that you made or maybe it was made for you that really changed the trajectory of your life? And what are some of those charge qualities that you use to help you through it? Sure. Um, great question. It, uh, this is a big one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I lived in, I grew up in Hong Kong. I was born in India, moved to Hong Kong, grew up in Hong Kong. And then after 1997, which is the, you know, the handover period, a subtle shift began in our lives. And within the year, we were talking about moving to the Bay Area and considering our girls going to university and being close to them as as we transitioned into this next chapter of our lives. This was a huge change after 37 years of my life in Hong Kong. I mean, I had my family in Hong Kong, my sisters, my you know, my siblings. It was hard. However, uh, you know, I was an entrepreneur in Hong Kong. I had a successful business that I'd built from scratch. Um, we made that decision. We said, you know, this is an opportunity and we're going to do it. So after, a, so we moved to California in the Bay Area after a couple of years of settling in, in our new home, I started thinking about what I would do next. Um, I didn't, I knew that I didn't want to start my own business again, per se. And just like that, I got a call. Um, I went out, I went back to visit my son in Hong Kong and I got a call there saying that one of the top 10 hospitals in the Bay area in Palo Alto was looking for a chef in the executive dining room. Mm. This was an opportunity for me to serve a larger audience. I was a little nervous, but, um, I took courage and I said, I'm going to do it. You know, I always had this mantra of, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this mm-hmm. way back, you know, for the past 30 years, it's, it's been like that, you know? Um, <clears throat> and I did, I accepted that uh, opportunity and I thought uh, this would serve a larger audience. And that's what I love. I love extending myself and doing bigger things and wearing mini hats so I made that decision to join the top 10 healthcare provider. I was um, the first and only female chef in the kitchen. 
And I started to ponder on how I could marry hospitality with hospital. You know, the same word, the word in the word. Yeah. Yeah. It required courage, resilience. I did not have any experience in healthcare. The executive dining space was in the C-suite. I was surrounded by leadership every day. And I had a fear. Um, I thought, what if they see through me? I don't have any experience in, in um, healthcare or leadership. Um, I was surrounded every day by leaders. What if they saw through me? But you know what I learned? I learned that sometimes one's own fears can cripple if allowed, mm-hmm. if they're unchecked. Mm-hmm. And there, there I was on my mantra again, I can do this. I can do this. So this is what happened. So instead of, you know, instead of thinking like, okay, what's going to happen? Are they going to see through me? I received words of praise such as, Kiran, you exude confidence. Kiran, you know so much about food and travels. Kiran, you speak so many languages. You are perfect for our visitors that come in from Hong Kong. Each attribute pointed out was I was like a check on my credentials. Nutrition, check. Leadership, check. Hiring skills, check. Yes, I was a hiring manager. Mentoring, check. Hospitality, check. Language skills, check. The courage of accepting these dynamic roles to change, to educate, to heal, to care for, and the mantra, I can do this, ended up encouraging me, uplifting me, and igniting me to want to do more, to give all of myself here. And that's exactly what I did. Because the next thing that happened was they asked me to manage the dining room come out of the kitchen. Then they gave me the whole catering division. Next, the coffee shop. And then the special events uh, planning. Mm -hmm. And then they had had been building uh, the new hospital for the past eight years. And they brought me in and asked me to, and I was instrumental in this, to uh, take part in the planning of the -the state-of-the-art kitchen for the new hospital. There were so many programs. I organized stages with chefs when I was um, interviewing them. Um, there were special themed meals for patients, physicians' menus, well-being and mindfulness events, farmer's markets program. Then they gave me the cafeteria, and then I introduced the seasonal salad programs. Um, we were serving employees, visitors, And then one day HR approached me and said, our people, the night shift, are feeling left out because everybody's talking about such a, there are such great uh, meal programs over the holidays, meaning Thanksgiving and and Christmas. The night shift service feels left out. Uh, Kieran, can you help? Can you do something about it? I went to our director and he said, you think you can do this? I said, absolutely. So I would come in and um, open up the cafeteria and feed 3,000 people for um, a whole uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas meal, a hot meal we're talking about, full-fledged hot meal. And that was amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Where, where did this, where did it's amazing story and where did this, did you always have this, I can do it mantra? Like even when you were a kid and you're like, I of course can do it. Uh-huh. Where did that come from? Oh my gosh. Um, I think my calling developed more from an instinct, mm-hmm. uh, than than a blueprint. I was born with a drive that formed and shaped my life's work, Uh, a predisposition, if you will, that permeates every area of my life. This instinct to serve others took root at a very early age. It grew throughout my entire life, and and I think it was a fuel of my 30-year career. Mm -hmm. You know, the reality of a young Indian girl destined for duty which uh, affords little opportunity to contemplate having a career. Mm. Yet in the most inhospitable of circumstances, this instinct continued to emerge until at last it it just evolved from sheer drive into an art form. And uh, really, it was my maternal grandmother, the matriarch, the leader who had inspired me at the uh, tender age of 12. The reality of my amma, my grandmother, Mm -hmm. subtly gifting me a portion of her repertoire, sharing her legacy with me, was an incredible gift, a rite of passage of sorts. Mm -hmm. And and I really think that that's how I started, you know. And I write about her in my first chapter, and I call it Poppadums and Pickles. I mean, who (laughs) teaches a girl who's barely 12 how to make poppadums? Really? (laughs) Right. Well, yeah. And then I ended up, it was, you know, after I'd finished her story and I thought, you know what, she deserves an epilogue. And I want to share with my readers how she literally hands me the legacy. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to say any more because everybody's going to have to buy the book. To know <laughs> I love the tease. Right? I love the tease. Um, but you just you you highlight what what we talk uh-huh. about so much in the show is just the power of one person, and so the power mm. of your grandmother. Mm. Can you at least? I don't want to give too much away, but can you yeah. give what's kind of the maybe the one bit of advice or the one just super clear memory you have, and you're like, and that's it of her just inspiring you. A vision in white. Hmm. Yeah. I'm. I mean, come on. I'm. I'm like barely 12. Um, I haven't seen her for what, six years since we moved to Hong Kong. And I'm greeted by this vision in white. She's dressed in white. She has white, long hair, which, you know, she braids and, you know, smooths it back. And she's got these incredibly pearly white teeth, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and she's just, I don't know. I, she's just shining, you know? Mm. Yeah. Amazing right. woman. And, and she just takes me um, in her arms and she's like, all right, let's go sit on the mat and let's start working. Ah, <laughs> uh, what a beautiful oh. memory and vision. And no wonder you're so um, <laughs> to your, your passion for helping other women as well. Yes. Um, yes. That. Yes. What, you, you mentioned when you took this hospital role, 
which uh-huh. isn't, you could say not traditional entrepreneurial, like where you were, because now you're kind of moving into this bigger corporation. Right. What, you mentioned that you had, yes, you had some doubts and things, but those were kind of overcome with, you got some external mm-hmm. kind of compliments and, and, and check marks on your work, but what uh-huh. internally kind of went through as well with this shift? How did, when did you say, all right, I got this for sure now in your head, like internally, because I think a lot of our listeners kind of struggle with some of that too, or know people who you kind of feel like, uh, it's that imposter syndrome a little bit. And so how, how did that, how did you kind of internally manage through that? Good question. You know, it happened twice, um, both in Hong Kong and, and then in California as well. Um, being the only female chef here, mm-hmm. if I may, let's talk about Hong Kong first. It, it's not just, okay, first of all, you're female. What are you doing in the kitchen? You're not as supposed to be as strong as the male-dominated um, uh, era, uh, area here, arena, sorry, mm-hmm. the word I was looking for. What are you doing here? And you're not supposed to know more than we do, that kind of thing, you know? And then wait, on top of that, you're not even Chinese, you're Indian. Mm. What are you doing in our kitchen? So it was kind of like that. So if I may jump, I don't know about time, if I may jump into a very... For sure. Uh, okay. It's it's a very sweet story, and I titled it Inclusivity. Um, I was asked to um, come help out at the convention center they had seen some of my work and I was a consultant and they, they engaged me to do an Arabian nights theme for 19 days. So I said, okay, how am I going to go into this kitchen with the executive chef and his whole team? Are they going to take me a female seriously? And um, how do, how do I approach this? So I thought I would use the inclusivity approach, which is, coming alongside, wearing my big smile and saying, surprising them in my very fluent Cantonese that um, I was here to work together with them. And I'm going to help them understand what all these spices are, what Sharama means and how we're going to assemble the whole Sharama and that they would be the first ones ever in Hong Kong to have created and served a Sharama to 500 dining guests every night for 19 days. And they looked at me with, with, uh, with these huge eyes and the the only word that came out of all of their mouths was like, wow. <laughs> and when Chinese say, wow, that's a big deal. That's a big wow, you know? So, and that's what I did. And it was, it was just that um, there were over 15 kitchen staff uh, in the space, you know, um, uh, they had a sous chef, chef, um, the party, garmange, saucier, pastry grill, all of these guys, commies, prep cooks, and all just gathered around me and they're taking a whiff of the spices and tasting this and that. And I'm bantering away in my Cantonese with hand gestures and sharing stories of each recipe, mm. the whole Silk Road, where they come from, 
what the colors mean, how pungent the spices are, the darker the color of the spice is because it's been hand-roasted. And then there were just that whole aroma that permeated through the kitchen was it, it was it was awesome. It, I I felt like um, I wanted to be a fly on the wall looking at the scene rather than being in the scene. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or yeah. recording it. I wish somebody had yeah. taken pictures and recorded all of that. It was so amazing. But you know what I got out of all of that? I mean, it was it was a huge success. The first night was a thousand people because they decided to have a cocktail party and invite. Um, all of their peers from the hospitality industry, meaning all the five-star hotels in Hong Kong. And there was media and everything. It was, it was huge. And then the next 18 nights, there were 500 diners each night. But the, um, the day we started the first day, uh, chef Chow, the executive chef, he took me down to housekeeping and he said, Karen, let's go um, get some things for you. I said, Oh, sure. We go down to housekeeping, and he pulls out two beautiful white new chef's coats and two toques for me. And on the chef's coats, there's my name embroidered on the breast pocket in the same color thread as his were. Mm. So that, and then he... And he puts it, he holds it in his two hands and he bows down and he gives me the jackets and the toques. Now, when you have the same color thread embroidered on your coat as the executive chef, that means it's an honor. He is honoring me and saying, you are like me, the same caliber, the same category, the the, the whole nine yards. I, I was like, okay, let those tears come. It's okay. I'm showing humility here. <laughs> let them come. Right. That that was an amazing acceptance. Wow. Yeah. I, th- I think too the with the themes that I heard, your mm-hmm. inclusivity. You explained why you helped mm-hmm. educate. Yeah, like we, Kelly and I do a lot of change management. It's all about why you know leadership. Why? Yes why and, and training people and educating and just sharing your experience and being open also mm-hmm. speaking their language. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but what a good lesson just for everyone to kind of hear that, like, how do I kind of manage through these hard situations in my, in my life? And I love yeah. that. Yeah. What you were going to say about the hospital too. I want to give you a head. Yeah. I, I'll, yeah. I'll make it, I'll make it very quick and short. Um, so when I first started there, um, I, I noticed that the, the reason they were having some problems, you know, retaining the right person up there. Yes, okay, it's C-suite, you know, people get nervous working so close to the leaders in the kitchen, but especially because you're up there, reputation matters. The kitchen needs to be 100% as far as regulatory and compliance, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. They, ne- they had never achieved that. So I, I mean, that that is like a big deal for me. And I was able to get them 100 marks, 100 points uh, as far mm-hmm. as the scores. And I kept it to that same level for the 16 years mm-hmm. I was there in the mm-hmm. hospital. 
Yeah. And my, you know, my bosses and, and, and even my team would kid around with me and they'd say, uh, Kieran, what about 99%? I said, no, <laughs> I don't know what is 99%, <laughs> only 100%. This is a place where we heal people. So it has to be safe. I love that exemplary too. And mm-hmm. And by the way, you don't want to be the person who's eating there if you're the 0.1 of the 99.9, right? Because I had a pretty bad experience if I were the 0.1. No way. You know, ladies, I would die of embarrassment if I'm right there with the leaders and something were to happen or my score is 99%. What does that say about me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everything you do, you have to do in excellence, right? Yeah. Especially yeah. when you are in service to your point. Yes. Uh, people are relying on you and, and yeah, 99% sounds wonderful, but again, in a uh-huh. hospital setting or a, a, a chef setting, there's, there's yeah. men who are like, um, I had a horrible experience or I got sick from the food or whatever. And you don't, I absolutely uh-huh. understand that. What you have given us already such beautiful, I could listen to your stories forever. And <laughs> And what I have already been to Luxembourg once. I'm coming oh, back. Yes, I have. And awesome. so Kelly and I are coming back for a meal at some you point. You have to come. You have to come visit me. Okay. We'll have so much fun. You I have cannot, to come. I cannot wait. What are okay. some, you've already given such beautiful advice. I don't want to lose out. Are there some other kind of pearls of wisdom that you have besides y'all need to get the book? Um, <laughs> what are what are some other just kind of this with this beautiful career you've had and mm. what are some other kind of bits of advice that you'd like to share. You know, I, I, I learned so much. I mean, it was amazing where I was working the hospital because they, it's a teaching hospital. They develop leaders. I learned so much. I am indebted to them. If, if I didn't have that, I, I don't know what I would be doing, you mm. know, I really learned a lot. So hats off to, to um, everything they did. But for the viewers, uh, I would say derive strength and courage through service. Mm -hmm. Adopt the I can do this mantra. Next, develop resilience, resiliency, consciously. Not just, okay, resiliency and moving on, but no, consciously. Mm-hmm. Know when and how to pivot. That's important. The third one I would say is demonstrate exemplary and unparalleled skills. Mm-hmm. Everything you do, do in excellence. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so beautiful. It's like... Thank you. We have the same mind around the charge qualities and what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Kelly, mm-hmm. I know we're already making the plans for Luxembourg, Kelly. That's, <laughs> that's, I can't wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm already going to get Kelly in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> Which is horrifying. So. No, you just never, you've never been trained by someone like Kieran. There you go. Oh, dear. <laughs> wow. Um, and, and I think the one thing that really resonated with me, and, and mm-hmm. I'm probably feeling some of what Kelly's probably going to say, but mm-hmm. that having that confidence and like, I can do it. Kelly yeah. and I, sometimes we look at each other, we're like, what do we just commit to? And then we always say to each other, 
but we got it. Yeah, now, there you uh, go. Like that kind of trust in yourself that mm-hmm. it seems kind of scary and you kind of think, can I do it? And you just, yeah. there's this beauty in just saying to yourself, I got it. I don't know how yeah. I got it, but I know I got it. And so I don't know what else, Kelly, resonated with you with all these beautiful stories and kind of hungry now to tell you the <laughs> truth. <laughs> hungry. You know how, how sometimes people say, uh, fake it till you make it? Yes, mm-hmm. I've yeah. heard that. Times. Yeah, and, and I think I kind of started with that. I remember advising my, my um, hairstylist in California, you know, she... We, you know, whenever I go visit her, she would talk to me about her problems, whatever. And I would say, oh, just fake it till you make it. But I grew away. I grew up from, from saying that, you know, you don't have to fake it till you make it. You can do it. Yes. And do yes. it really well. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't yeah. Have to fake it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think one of the key takeaways for me, Kieran, and thank mm-hmm. you so much for sharing your story is just sure. how, how humble you are because Aww. some people would say, and look at all the stuff I've just done, mic drop. Mm-hmm. And, but you're so, you're so about the moment and the experience and mm-hmm. the story and the, what, and making everyone feel comfortable mm-hmm. in your presence and, mm-hmm. And just the entire process of cooking the meal or learning about how the spices are interacting with the mm-hmm. rest of the meal, that it's, you know, that you're, I mean, it, it really isn't about you. And just mm-hmm. that, that entire, um, as you were telling that story about the, about inclusivity mm-hmm. and approaching that, you know, that executive chef and his team of 15 mm-hmm. to do an Arabian Nights theme for 19 days. Mm-hmm. That that the presence of mind you had to really kind of approach it the way that you did, yeah. I would anticipate that you probably would approach that like you would anything else. You know that, that mm-hmm. it's so natural to you that it really wasn't a big leap for you to kind of approach that as you would anything else that you might have done because it's so ingrained in who you are mm-hmm. and how you how you how you engage people. That's just your style. Would I be right in saying that? Is that, does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. People love stories. Mm -hmm. So when you're incorporating teaching with your stories, Mm -hmm. it makes it um, easier for them to understand. And then when you use yourself an example uh, in the storytelling, like, oh, I was, you know, when I was asked to decorate the Mandarin Hotel um, Mm -hmm. in Hong Kong, the the whole uh, holiday theme, Christmas, I was standing on this uh, hydraulic ladder, 18 foot high, because I didn't want any of my team to be on that tall ladder to put Mm -hmm. the star on top of the the tree. I wanted to do it myself, you know. And when you're mentoring young people, which I did a lot, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, there were cooks who at the age of 16, they're in my kitchen. Renzo's one of them, star quality. I saw what he had and I mentored him all the way through. He didn't even know what he was capable of doing. And then when I, and then he's now uh, a chef, he became a chef and he writes to me the day I'm leaving for Luxembourg. And he says, Miss Kieran, Everything I am today, it's because of you. You will always be my work mom. So 
And I'm like, oh, and the day I'm leaving, I'm like, oh, that's so touching, but that's so sweet. So when you're working with young people who don't even know who they are, they're not 100% developed yet, you see something in them, you're mentoring them, you're talking to them, you're telling them your stories, you learn, you end up learning from them. Mm -hmm. Do, do, Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yep, they teach you that, yeah, you learn that, that perseverance, that patience, you learn the art of, there is a different way of talking to young people. Mm -hmm. And if you don't put all of that into application, because they're showing it to you, they're showing Mm -hmm. you and telling you it's their body language that you have to talk to me in a certain way. Otherwise I'm not going to get you lady. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You end up learning, and then your skills in that area start developing. You know, mm-hmm. like this is how I need to approach different people. I need to include them, bring them in closer. You know, mm-hmm. and Absolutely. it 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 works. That's all they want. They want that attention. They want to be included. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mm-hmm. it's a very poignant. Um, I mean, all your stories, there's such a poignant component to it. Mm. It's, um, it's like can visualize the setting as you're telling the story, which is to me, you're a great storyteller as well. I don't know if you've been told that before, but it's, um, there's a, in development, there's this idea of, yes, you want a leader to develop you, but you also have to be willing to be developed. Mm. You have to be interested in taking the information or the opportunity and doing something with it. And you very yes. much strike me as somebody who's all in regardless, like whatever opportunity you were given or whatever, you know, building mm-hmm. the, 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 the kitchen and every single opportunity you had at that hospital system, yeah, it was, yes, I will do it. I mean, you didn't, there wasn't a, a moment's hesitation. You did it regardless because you were that interested and curious by mm-hmm. nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, that just speaks volumes about your your willingness to always try something new, even if you, to your point, didn't know everything. Yeah, you you had the key components so that you could figure it out. No, but to tell you honestly, I, I, there there were times when I was really frustrated, and mm-hmm. especially with Renzo, and I was like, okay, I love this whole thing of mentoring mentoring Renzo, and he's like my son, but uh, I'm getting a little frustrated and. Lo and behold, what happens is we have a Michelin star chef and he's there and he uh, he wants to, you know, because of patient privacy, I can't say a lot, but be- but because he's been taken care of in, in, in the hospital, he wants to give back. So he comes to me and asks if he can use my kitchen to take care of the people who took care of him in the hospital. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I'd be happy to stay back and open the kitchen for you and we'll work together. And then I had a thought. I was like, oh, my gosh, um, Michelin star in my kitchen. And it's my, it's in my book, this story. And I immediately asked Renzo. I said, Renzo, do you want to stay back? You know, this guy's really fun and you might want to see what he's doing. It's, it's really interesting. And Renzo was like, okay, Miss Kieran. He stayed back and I just, you know, didn't say a lot. And I watched the chef, how he pulled Renzo in quietly just by pushing 
the spices in front of him. Mm-hmm. He, was, he, he made some Egyptian food, pushed the spices in front of him and told him, smell it, take a whiff of it. Go ahead, taste it, Renzo. Just, what do you think? Ha ha, you know, what? There was such lovely, sweet banter. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, when we had a moment together, the chef and I, and I was like, oh my gosh, you made me rethink. I was just so frustrated, you know, I wanted to give up and you just encouraged me and told me, mm-hmm. no, we have to keep doing this. We were in the, of, of the same mindset, you know, that, Yes, he believed in mentoring too. Yes, he knew I was frustrated. And it was like he was sent there for me just to help me with this this lesson here, you know. Well, definitely another noteworthy reason why everyone should be picking up the book, Seva, The Art of (laughs) Hospitality, to which we will make sure we will include that in the show notes for everyone to see um, in in the podcast. Absolutely, uh, for sure. Um, but I definitely encourage everyone to connect with Kieran. We'll make sure all of our contact information along with a link to the book um, is in the show notes uh, for this episode. Um, thank you, Kieran, so much for thank joining you. our podcast. Thank you, Absolutely. Kelly, Carrie. You ladies are awesome. This is such a privilege. Thank you. Well, the privilege was all ours. Thank you so much oh. again. Really appreciate you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abrachi Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.